Hello, everyone. My name is Paul Daly. I'm a partner in the International Tax Practice of Sitchin Cooperman. Um, this is our International Taxes in 10 podcast series. And I'm so pleased to introduce my colleague, Josette, who's a partner in the International Tax Practice as well. We're going to talk about, Josette's going to talk about today, expatriation. When one gives up their U.S. citizenship, or their long-term residency or their green card, what are the tax implications? And we're seeing a little more of this in our practice. I more so in terms of people considering giving up their green cards. And Josette's gonna be talking about that in more detail. Josette, if I could just start, because we look at the expatriation, I know we call it an exit tax, and that you see that in other various countries, but could you talk about what is the US exit tax? Sure. So um, the IRS may assess an exit tax in your last year of citizenship or residency. And really, it's a means for the IRS to tax some of your assets that haven't been subject to taxation in previous years. So to give a few example would be capital gains on uh, real estate or potentially taxing funds in your retirement account. And it's really the last chance for the IRS to tax you prior to leaving the country. Who has to pay this exit tax, Cosette? And is this, if you don't mind, is this based on just U.S. assets or worldwide assets? Great question. So not everyone who renounces their U.S. citizenship or relinquishes the green card has to pay the exit tax. It's only the um, those that IRS considered a covered expatriates that could be subject to this exit tax. And again, they would be subject to tax on their worldwide assets. It's not just US-based assets. Thank you so much. So I hear this term covered expatriate. So that's very important. Could you tell us what that encompasses? So in order to become a covered expatriate, um, you need to meet one of three different tests that the IRS um, has, has put out there. The first test is a net worth test. So if your pet personal net worth is over $2 million um, or more on the date of expatriation, then you've met this test and you're considered, considered a covered expatriate. It's also important to note that um, this is a per person test. So each spouse is looked at separately um, and they're not looked at jointly. So therefore one spouse can meet a covered expatriate test while the other one does not meet this test. The second test would be net income tax liability tests. So your average annual net income tax liability for the five years ending before your expatriation date, if that's more than 172,000 for tax year 2021, then you would meet this tax test. Um, the IRS does increase this amount yearly for inflation, so that's important to note as well. Uh, the last and final test would be the non-compliance with your tax filings. So if you fail to certify on Form 8854 that you have um, compiled with all your federal tax obligations for the five years preceding your expatriation, then you would be considered a covered expatriate. There are exceptions. Um, to these rules for dual citizens and certain minors. Um, again, there are specific requirements um, as to not be considered a covered expatriate. And I think it's also worth noting, as I think you alluded to earlier, not all green card holders are subject to the exit tax. It's only those that are considered a long-term resident. So you're a long-term resident if you were a lawful permanent resident of the U.S. in at least eight of the last 15 years. 
um, excluding any year in which you claim a treaty benefit on Form 8833. So for example, um, if you held a green card and you relinquished it in year five, you would not be considered a long-term resident and potentially not be subject to exit tax. Thank you so much, Suzette. In terms of net worth, um, I believe that that's somewhat similar to the definition of a gross estate for a decedent, but could you expand on what's includable in net worth? So the IRS wants to value all of your worldwide assets and treat them as sold on the last day of expatriation. So really the first step in this process is to list all your wide, worldwide assets and liabilities as of your expatriation date. Um, and it's also important to note these need to be in US dollars. So if you do have any foreign assets, they need to be converted. Once you've gathered these assets, you need to uh, make sure that you've, you compile both the fair market value of the asset as well as the US adjusted basis. The IRS does require um, that you could use good faith estimates. They don't require that there's formal appraisals done on everything. Um, you really need to list everything, cash, marketable securities, non-marketable securities, stock and controlled foreign corps, pensions, deferred compensation, real property, business property, loans to US persons, loans to foreign persons, um, and that's only naming a few. If you look on um, Form 8854 and Part B in the balance sheet, it really gives you a thorough listing of all the assets and liabilities that need to be included here. So once you've accumulated these assets, um, the next step would to be to determine um, your market to market gain on these assets. Um, the IRS does allow an exclusion amount for which um, in 2020, 2021 was $744,000. This exclusion needs to be properly allocated amongst the assets, um, recognizing a deemed gain, and anything in excess of this exclusion um, would be subjected to the exit tax. Calculating the exit tax is um, a rather complex um, <laughs> calculation and certainly outside the scope of this discussion. Um, really my previous comments that I, I just mentioned is really a simple explanation of the process. Um, the IRS does, um, you know, I really would suggest leaving um, the calculation to your tax advisor, um, especially if your asset base includes foreign or US retirement accounts, as this would add uh, an additional layer of complexity. Um, I could think of maybe potentially one example where a taxpayer would be a covered expatriate and not subject to the exit tax. So although this scenario is probably unlikely in practice, let's say that a taxpayer has a net worth of $5 million, which is consisting purely of cash. Um, because she has, you know, five, she, he or she has $5 million, they met the net worth test. Um, their assets are in excess of $2 million. But in this case, the taxpayer would not have an exit tax upon expatriation because there's no mark to market gain on cash. So I'm not sure about you, Paul, but um, I think it's highly unlikely to actually come across this scenario in practice. I agree, Josette. Most of my clients do not just invest in cash, um, although some might be considering that 
in, in the future, but um, certainly I agree with you. I don't see that as well. Because if someone is considering um, from a tax position, giving up their US citizenship or abandoning their green card, what should they consider or know before they actually file for the expatriation? Right, so I think um, a couple things. It would be important to make sure that their past filings are current and accurate. Um, you need to certify this on Form 8854. So I would highly suggest uh, reviewing the returns if there's any errors on these returns to um, ensure that they file amended returns prior to expatriating. Uh, they certainly don't wanna expose themselves to any legal matters as well. Uh, I think it's important also to talk to your advisor and see if there's any other options available to either minimize your tax burden or compliance costs. If this is a drive-in factor for renouncing your citizenship or relinquishing your green card, because you could potentially consolidate financial bank accounts to simplify the reporting. You could um, avoid mutual funds, foreign mutual funds altogether, or if you own, you can consider selling and redistributing these assets into uh, more US friendly investments, or even looking at your global business ventures to see if there's an opportunity to, to restructure to um, potentially minimize on tax or even uh, compliance costs. Thank you, Josette. How can, can one avoid the exit tax um, upon renouncing U.S. citizenship or giving up a green card? I guess that was your example of um, the cash, because as you said, you really look to see what the gain is. And if there's no gain, then there would be no exit tax. But is there any other way of possibly avoiding that that you know right. of? So I think there's not really a way to avoid the exit tax if you've already expatriated and you meet one of the tests previously and there's the deemed gains and they're over the exclusion amounts. But I think if you if you either wanna avoid or potentially avoid the covered expatriate status or um, you know not be subject or minimize the exit tax, you need to speak to your tax advisor's advisor prior to expatriating because you can see if there's any pre-exit planning strategies that potentially could be implemented um, to either avoid the status or minimize the tax. Um, for instance, you may be able to um, minimize capital gains through spousal distribution. As I mentioned previously, um, spouses are not looked at jointly, they're looked at individually. So this could be a planning technique that would be used that could either you know, avoid the covered expatriate status or potentially minimize the exit tax that you're exposed to. Because in this scenario, you would get um, the exclusion for both the taxpayer and the spouse. Great, thank you, because that's evident that there's so much involved. I know that there is a possible exemption for one who's a dual citizen by birth um, and they did not have significant US presence. But there's just so much complications. And I think the key is what you said, counseling, um, going to your tax advisor is really mandatory. And summing it up, what else should I consider or know um, once the expatriation is final? Let's say we do everything that the person does everything that's necessary. Now what happens? Do they have to continue to file US tax returns after they've given up their citizenship or abandoned their green card? 
Right. So I think it's important to note that um, certain transactions that non-resident um, alien covered expatriates has with U.S. persons are still taxable because I think that's um, something that a lot of people who expatriate don't realize. And more specifically, what I'm referencing is either covered gifts or bequests to a U.S. person, which could um, potentially result in an income tax rate of 40 percent. So although there's still proposed regulations um, on this in the form 708, um, which you would be required to report this transaction, is still not published. I think it's definitely something that you should potentially be aware of and, and consider upon expatriating, especially when people expatriate and they still have US um, children. Um, it's, it's important to have this in your um, estate and, and trust planning. Thank you so much, Joseph, because that was critical. I mean, from what we know that typically a donee does not pay any type of income or gift tax, but in this situation, they very well could. Thank you so much, Joseph, for your time. Um, it was very enlightening, and I think it really illustrates that, you know, if you are considering um, giving up your green card or announcing your citizenship, again, for tax purposes, you really do need to seek um, tax counsel to make sure that everything is being done correctly. And with that, thank you, Josette, and thank you, everyone else, and have a great day. Thank you, Paul.